Hello and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. Rick, guns, the big issue on the agenda at the White House right now, or I should say school safety, but included in that, uh, at least from the president's perspective, some measures that will make some of his friends uncomfortable. Uh, no indication yet that he's truly going to go up against the NRA. Uh, but uh, this is something that I am hearing from senior White House people. The president is serious about. He's serious about some things that the NRA doesn't like. And then while all that's going on, palace intrigue, Rick. Man, and, and, and it did get suddenly very intriguing. And the, the, the story, and it's a long affair around Jared Kushner, seems to have really picked up in the last couple of weeks after Rob Porter and his background problems uh, regarding domestic violence came to light. We learned about this issue of temporary security clearances. We learned that John Kelly has sought to crack that down. We learned that Jared Kushner was impacted by that. But it turns out, John, that was really just a piece of the story. This wasn't just about some generic problems uh, that, uh, that some White House officials had with getting permanent clearances. This was about very specific concerns that were being raised about Jared Kushner's foreign contacts, uh, the potential for him to be compromised given his financial interests and and, and the urgencies around that, Uh, and ultimately this extraordinary situation where the the, the first son-in-law, Ivanka Trump's husband, a senior advisor in the White House, does not have access to the nation's most sensitive secrets uh, because of these issues that have lingered around his background. And to be clear, this is not only about Jared Kushner on the background check issue. We know that there are a number of senior White House staffers who go to work every day in the West Wing who have not been approved for, uh, for, for their top security clearance, who uh, the FBI has gone through the process and has said we cannot uh, sign off on this and have been working under temporary security clearances. What we don't know is how many, uh, but we do know that Jared is one of those, and Man, that, that that Washington Post story was wow. quite quite a uh, quite a story. Looking at some of the issues that, uh, that 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 Kushner is dealing with. Well, knowing that he does have contacts with foreign leaders as part of his official portfolio, but also learning from the Post reporting and elsewhere that foreign governments have have sought to contact him directly because they view him as someone they potentially could compromise in some way. We know that he's got financial exigencies, that he's out there soliciting money and has been for some time around a particular property in Manhattan, for instance. We also know that he's Would got that this... Would be 666 Fifth I, Avenue? I think that's the number. I think you got it that's right. That's an unfortunate number. <laughs> Indeed. It has, been, it, has been, it has been a bedeviling problem for him from the, yeah. from the start. But he, we also know that he's got the, the Middle East portfolio. We also know that he's got this reputation. Uh, he someone, had had the, a China portfolio, which I'm told has been kind of... And um, the Mexico portfolio yes, as well. Yes. Yeah. So and, and he's also reinventing government and reforming the VA. Uh, and, and I think the something sense is it's a innovation. shrinking portfolio. I think it has to be now. And to, to learn that he's had so many contacts, and according to the Washington Post, contacts that were raised directly with the National Security Advisor, H.R. Uh, McMaster, for him to not know about some of these contacts and have to learn about them in intelligence briefings, man, that's problematic. Uh, and, and it just it makes me wonder how much longer Jared Kushner is able to go to work, even with his father-in-law being the president of the United States. Okay, pop quiz. Um, I'm going to name a, a number of uh, senior officials in the Trump administration, <laughs> and I want you to tell me who is going to be the first to leave and go back to the private sector and who will be the last of the group. Are you ready? Go, go, go. Okay, Jared. You mentioned Jared, Jared Kushner, H.R. McMaster, Jeff Sessions, uh, Rex Tillerson, and um, Don McGahn, the White House counsel, 
and uh, General John Kelly, the chief of staff. Tell me who will be the first on that list to go and who will be the last? Oh, well, I'm going to go with Jared Kushner as number one. And, and, and I'll throw another part of the theory out there is the announcement this week that uh, Brad Parscale is going to be heading up the, the campaign operation for uh, Trump 2020. Uh, he's very close to Jared Kushner. Uh, to my mind, that might be a nice little landing pad for Jared and maybe Ivanka as well to go run the campaign operation. I do think it's unsustainable. Uh, I think the, the I think that John Kelly would have been at the top of that list a week or two ago. He's now at the bottom of my list. If you're, if you're, so he's if you're the one of all those that's going to be he, he may last. last the longest. And Jeff wow. Sessions, I mean, we, another Another issue that has arisen is the latest attack by the president on his own attorney general. Yeah, uh, he he is quite upset about the way that uh, that the attorney general is handling a piece of the investigation around potential FISA abuses. It's being handled. This is a little technical, but it's being handled by the inspector general uh, at the at the Justice Department, who's a holdover from the Obama years. The president feels like this should be handled directly by U.S. attorneys' offices. Uh, Jeff Sessions uh, swinging back a little bit more than he has in the past with a with a pretty pointed comment saying he's going to keep doing this job as long as he has it. And I think that is a bit of a brushback and maybe calling out a bluff if the president feels this strongly about his attorney general uh, being someone that uh, that doesn't serve him or the country well. He's got to do something about it. He has offered to resign once before, um, and the president hung on to the letter, looked at the letter, Spent the weekend ruminating over the letter and then did not fire him or and did we not accept it. And we understand from a recent book that uh, it even got as far as uh, Jeff Sessions thinking he was going to fire, was 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 resigning, and then Reince Priebus having to talk him out of it in the driveway at the White House. But, John, who's on top of your list? Give me the, the, uh, the, anyway, we got to get to the rest oh, of our show. Once again, uh, he ducks the, rest the of our show. questions. So, uh, like I said, a big, a big, I'll answer that next week, okay? All right, fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, I will say that the last to leave on that list will be either... Tillerson or Sessions, I think the cabinet, uh, the cabinet members will will stay. They will be, you know, <laughs> they have decided that no matter what the president throws at them, apparently they are willing to stay. Brexit delayed. Brexit delayed. Um, all right, we are going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we're going to be talking to Captain Mark Kelly, of course, the uh, husband of Gabby Gifford, somebody who has been leading the effort to have some what what he would call common sense gun control measures or, or uh, safety measures. Um, uh, in the wake of, 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 of all the, I mean, obviously the wake of the Gifford shooting, but uh, they were very active post-Newtown, uh, and they're making a big push uh, right now. We're going to be talking to him. We'll be back in just a moment. Are you hiring? Join the over 3 million businesses that use Indeed.com for hiring. You can post a job in minutes and manage your candidates from an easy-to-use dashboard. Post your next job on the world's number one job site, Indeed.com. Are you feeling limitless? I don't think I've ever told this story publicly on the air anywhere, but I'll tell it now. Welcome to No Limits. I'm Rebecca Jarvis. Are you a psychiatrist? (laughs) No. Each week, we're taking an honest look at success and how to get there with the boldest, most influential women in the world. Jessica Alba. Ariana Huffington. Issa Rae. Barbara Corcoran. Robin Roberts. Welcome to No Limits. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. This is No Limits. All right, joining us now, Mark Kelly, the co-founder of Gifford's Courage to Fight Gun Violence. Obviously, somebody who's been very active on the battle against uh, gun violence in this country. Uh, thank you for joining us, Mark. Oh, thank you for having me on. So I, I understand you guys are mobilizing to try to build the kind of a political groundswell here to 
implement what 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 you would call common sense gun reforms. Can can you give me a, a we're headed into these midterm elections. W- what exactly are you planning to do? I know we've got a big debate right now on uh, Capitol Hill. Uh, the the president's got a got a big meeting at the White House, including with some prominent uh, gun control advocates. So we we have that going on. But but as you know, and as we all know. There's really going to need to be a political groundswell in this country to change the, the dynamic on this issue, if any of this is going to have a chance to pass. So what are your plans for the midterms? Well, yeah, I mean, we've been working on this since uh, 2013, after the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in uh, December of 2012. So, you know, it's a, it's, it's a complicated process. There's a lot of reasons why we have 15 to 25 times the death rate from gun violence in any other industrialized country. Uh, one of the big reasons why we we're in this situation is because of the corporate money uh, that have been that has been injected into our politics at the highest level for a long period of time. So that's really what we're up against. Uh, every November, even in odd years, we at our organization, Gibbard's Courage to Fight Gun Violence, we have a political program. In 2018, you know, we have an opportunity to engage uh, with voters and to get them out to vote and to get them to vote uh, on this issue uh, on our side, which is the responsible gun laws and gun safety side of this argument to elect people that'll, you know, do, you know, what I think most Americans want, and they want to live in a safer society. And the the way we, the way we improve this gun violence issue in this country is we pass some common sense laws. But 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 get, but get down as, get, get down in the weeds with me. I mean, what 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 are what are you going to be doing? How much money are you going to be raising? Are you going to be out there? engaged in primaries supporting uh, uh, candidates who, who, who favor the kind of gun measures uh, that, that you would like to see enacted? Are you going to be engaged in the general action? What, what, what are you going to be doing? How are you going to be going up against the NRA? Well, we raise millions of dollars each election, election cycle and spend millions of dollars on candidates. Uh, I'd like to be able to say, you know, we support as many Republicans as Democrats, but that's not true. You know, we despite being a bipartisan organization uh this is a largely polarized issue uh we have gotten involved in primaries uh, both in on the democratic and republican side we will probably do that a little bit here in uh you know the 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 primary process a little bit here in 2018 but most of our support is going to be you know to candidates who are champions for for change on this issue uh, we have this program called Vote Courage to get people to, to vote on this issue. And, and to do that, you know, we have to spend money uh, in members' campaigns. You know, there's a lot going on here in the – I'm in California right now. In the state of California, there's seven districts, House districts, that were um, – that have or had Republican incumbents that Hillary Clinton won. Those are opportunities uh, for us to, where the where the Democrat can really run on this issue and win on this issue, that's true in a lot of other places uh, around the country. There's a lot of Senate races we're going to be involved in, and we want we want a Congress, um, you know, that's going to work hard to make sure that what happened in Parkland, what happened at the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting, what happened in Aurora, becomes something of the past, you know, not the future. 
Uh, and to do that, we need we need strong, stronger gun laws. So, so let, let me let me give you one specific, and then I want to turn this over to Rick. But what what one specific case we interviewed here on Powerhouse Politics? Brian Mast, a Republican, right. freshman Republican from from Florida, uh, who was endorsed by the NRA. Uh, I think he had five thousand dollars roughly in in donations from from the NRA to his uh, to his campaign uh, last year, um, or in t- t- in, uh, in 2016. Are you gonna you gonna run in and, and, and support him? I mean, we, we don't know yet if the NRA is gonna gonna come in on the other side now that he's come out with this dramatic uh, you know uh, statement of saying he's the sole Republican right now in the House who supports an assault weapons ban, a complete ban. Right. Uh, are you gonna be supporting him? Well, I mean, we might. Uh, I've got to look at it, and uh, I'm sure somebody in our office is looking at it. But you know, Brian Mass coming out. Uh, in something that the NRA is strictly, you know, and seriously opposed to and have been for years is a big step. We, we need more people like him. You know, we need more Brian Mass and, and Brian Fitzpatrick, who's another member of the House, a Republican, who uh, has been on our side and on the side of, uh, you know, stronger gun laws that, you know, that make us safer. So we're closely following what he's doing. We're you know, we're excited to see uh, a Republican like him in the state of Florida, you know, come out for some, you know, some things that to us, you know, make sense. Um, it's one step. You know, that's one step. We've got to convince the Republican leadership in the House of Representatives and in the United States Senate to allow, you know, some of the, some of this legislation to even get get a debate on the floor. I mean, that's often one of the biggest stumbling blocks here. So hopefully he can push. Uh, Speaker Ryan um, to allow you know that bill and other and other things to, to to get a debate and a vote. Captain Kelly, one thing I've been struck by on on the politics uh, after this extraordinary two weeks that we've seen since the tragedy in Parkland is that it's been the political impact's been uneven, and some of it is geographical, a lot of it splits along party lines. But there's a high profile special election in just less than two weeks now uh, in Western Pennsylvania, where the Democrat Connor Lamb came out and said, "I don't want any new gun restrictions," and that's a a pro gun part of the state, and that's the calculation that he made. Are you are you hearing from, or is there some number of candidates who've come forward and said, "I want to run"? on a gun control platform, and I want the support of the Giffords organization or others out there. Are you hearing from people that proactively want to run on gun control? 100%. You know, we, we don't like to use the word control, you know, for, for a number of reasons. I mean, I'm a gun owner. I don't want, you know, I don't feel like I want the government controlling anything that I'm, I'm doing as well, right? I own a lot of firearms. I've served in the United States Navy for 25 years. I'm a strong supporter of the, of the Second Amendment. Um, at the same time, I mean, this is nuts, the situation we have put ourselves in with, you know, all these people, over 35,000 dying from gunshot wounds every year, another 100,000 injured. Um, but, yes, we have a lot more candidates that are coming to us this election cycle uh, than more this time than last time than, than the, the election cycle we were involved in, you know, 20, leading up to the 2014 election. That number is increasing people who are asking for our endorsement, who want to be educated on how do you run on this issue. We even have, you know, Republicans, members of the House and Senate that reach out to us on a regular basis. You know, how do you talk about this? You know, how do we how do we build a coalition of people that can actually get things passed? Uh, so we're seeing that all the time. And so the politics 
are clearly shifting on this issue. And I think one of the things that are helping this shift in the right direction are Americans are fed up and they're finally educating themselves on, uh, on wh- how, how did we get here. And it's about the corporate money that, you know, that the, that the gun lobby has been spending for a long period of time. And, and it really needs a change. Among the interesting variables to watch, of course, as, as John mentioned, is President Trump himself. He's convening a summit uh, just today at the White House to talk to legislators about this. He has uh, he has been coming out in, in support of a, a variety of new potential proposals, although there isn't a lot of legislative language to back it up. He's talked about the fix Nix bill. He's talked about uh, lowering the age uh, to or raising the age to 21 to buy uh, AR-15 type weapons, high powered weapons like that. Are you convinced, as of this moment, that he is serious about gun control? We know that he had, uh, about new gun legislation, we know that he had lunch with the NRA. I'm wondering if, he has, if he's reached out for lunch with you or with your wife. But beyond that, is, is, are you convinced that this is a real process he's going through? Well, I, I'm not. He, he hasn't, to answer your question, he has not reached out to me or my office about lunch. And you can see the difference, right? Um, you know, uh, Wayne LaPierre, Chris Cox, the National Rifle Association have a very close connection with with him as a candidate and now him as, as president. They spent in excess, we believe, of $30 million to help him get elected. And if you believe money in politics matters, you got to believe that that money bought some at least, uh, you know, a, a strong connection between his administration and their organization, uh, the National Rifle Association. Having said that, you know, we want to work uh, with the administration. I, I think he's trying to figure this out, trying to figure out. Um, if you look at what he has said about uh, firearms and gun violence in our country before he was a candidate for president, I would say he was somewhere around where Senator Dianne Feinstein is on the issue back if you go back to 2014 2013 you know today obviously that has changed a lot he has said some positive things um you know when you're president of the united states you know you're really in a position to show an incredible amount of leadership so it's not just how he feels about this he's got to convince members of congress especially those members of his party especially the leadership paul ryan mitch mcconnell um, you know, to support some of these reforms. Last Wednesday, he said some very positive things. When he spoke at CPAC, a lot of those specific positive points were left out. I don't know what he's saying today. I've been pretty busy, but I hope he would continue, um, you know, down this path. And, and, and we, want, we want to help and figure out a way, you know, to, um, to, to protect people from this sort of violence. And I can tell you the answer is not to arm teachers in schools. Uh, You know, we know that where there are more guns, there are there's more gun violence. And this comes from a gun owner like myself who, you know, understands this. And, um, you know, I feel I really understand guns and I served in the military. The solution is not to arm teachers. So, so what do you make of what uh, is moving through Florida, Uh, which on the one hand, the Republicans are in charge. They, we we we, we, have, we see this uh, this proposal working its way through um, uh, with 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 some support from the governor. 
uh, that would raise the age for uh, for the purchase of, of, of rifles. That's a big step that the NRA is adamantly opposed to. Um, but also would include some funding for uh, for what you just said you oppose, the idea of having some armed uh, personnel uh, in the schools, uh, teachers or administrators. Well, so, yeah, well, I think, you know, some armed personnel, I think, you know, certainly uh, we, we are not opposed to this. I mean, having a, you know, we, we put ourselves in the position uh, where having a trained police officer on hand is a very reasonable thing to do because of the level of gun violence in our country, because of the threats that, you know, schools, K-12 through public schools have to deal with and think about. It's, an, it's a horrible situation. Um, but as we can see in Parkland, that is definitely not going to be the solution. Um, to be an effective counter to an active shooter, you have to be somebody who is thinking about this a lot, who has an incredible amount of training. And I think, you know, giving a little bit of training to a teacher and then expecting them to be uh, able to handle an active shooter with an AR-15, uh, it, it's probably not going to work most of the time. And to put more guns in classrooms, in the gym, in the cafeteria, what you're going to see is you're going to see more gun violence, not less. You're going to see, you know, accidents. You're going to see students having access to these firearms. It's If you've ever been shot at, and I've been shot at a bunch of times, always in an airplane, it's not what people think. And we saw what happened in Parkland. You know, here, here you even had a trained police officer that for some reason decided you know, that he could not engage with a guy with an AR-15 from support. I don't feel that somebody should, who is not allowed to buy a Bud Light, should be able to buy an AR-15 in a high-capacity magazine. That clearly does not make sense. So, you know, I think it's, it's commendable that the governor is, you know, supporting some reasonable changes to the laws. He's got to get the Florida legislature on board with this. The Florida House has a large majority of Republicans, I imagine, many of which would not support that. So he also needs to show, show, show some leadership and, and, and change minds in his legislature. And, and we, we hope that happens. And Captain Kelly, before we let you go, uh, I want to ask about uh, the, the potential for your own political future as you talk about people getting off the sidelines. Arizona is the, f- the focus of a whole lot of interesting politics this year with the uh, with the uh, Jeff Flake's retirement in the open Senate race. But what are the chances that, that Mark Kelly's name appears on a ballot in Arizona or elsewhere at some point in the future? You know, I've said I would never say never. I never really aspired to be in elective office. Um, you know, having said country, I think, on a lot of different levels, has gone off the rails lately. Um, so I, you know, to be perfectly honest, I, 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 I take this issue and where we've gotten to be as a, as a nation, I, I take it very seriously. Um, so I would still never say never for me running for elective office. It's not something I am planning on, you know, right now. Uh, But, you know, politics tend to be pretty dynamic. And, you know, it's even like that in the state of Arizona. So I I, so I don't know. But 
not something I'm planning, but we'll 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 see. We'll mark you down as a maybe. That's the John Carl standard these days. We'll, we'll say it's a maybe for Captain Kelly. Yeah, and by the way, just right. as you started that answer, uh, you broke up a little bit with your cell phone, which seemed <laughs> very, very suspicious. Very convenient. Well, All I right, Captain Kelly. <laughs> Captain Kelly, thank you for joining us on Powerhouse Politics. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking to you again soon. Hey, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. So, uh, sounds to me like we got a future candidate yeah, there. You know, I, I hate to reduce this all to, uh, no, to no, crass politics. But but, look, um, to, to the point about getting people getting people involved in the process, it's a name that means a lot in Arizona and beyond. He's obviously been very high profile after the attempted uh, assassination attempt on, on Gabby Giffords. I, I am fascinated by the efforts to corral this into a voting issue on the other side, because it, it's just become just one of the axioms of American politics that you can't beat the NRA because they mobilize voters. It's not just the money, John. We've talked about the money. It's not the money. Lots I mean, there's the money, people. but it's not yeah, just the I mean, money. Yeah. There's lots of lobbying groups that, that throw around lots of money for lots of things. Right. But it's, the, it's, it's what that money represents. It's the idea that if you vote against the interests of the gun lobby, you're going to lose your next election because the people who support the, the Second Amendment and give their money to places like the NRA are going to vote against you. They're going to beat you. And it's an impassioned membership. I mean, sure. they've got five million members. I don't think and a lot all of them, five million of them are fully necessarily in line with the legislative uh, you know, uh, agenda of the NRA. But, but, uh, but the overwhelming majority are, and, they, and they'll vote on it. That's right. They've shown they will vote on a single issue when it yeah. comes down to it. And that's the thing is that – the, the Giffords organization, they've got the polling on their side, and we've had some of the polling ourselves on background checks, on, uh, on assault weapons bans, on age limits. They're, they've got a clear majority, but they don't have people that are willing to have shown Intensity a willingness to rate. vote that way. Yes. That has to change, and maybe it's this, uh, this new marriage of groups, the Tom Sire money plus Michael Bloomberg's group plus Gabby Giffords and Mark Kelly's group all coming together. Maybe that begins to move the needle. Maybe. Well, on that note, Rick, that is all the time we have for this edition of Powerhouse Politics. Special thanks to our Powerhouse Politics team, David Rind, Avery Miller, and all of our millions and millions and millions of listeners out there. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week.